your name. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah. I hope you know that Jesus is, I guess you can say, in these airways, right? He's in this place wherever, where I am and wherever you are. And uh, he indeed is a holy Lord. Hallelujah. I'm so glad that the uh, spirit of God and the anointing is not just confined to a building, but it's wherever his people are. Hallelujah. It's a blessing to be with you all this afternoon. Um, and I thank you all for joining us uh, for, for worship today. And uh, I pray that the word of the Lord that I'm going to bring to you will be a blessing and that can help you on your way. And if you will. And so we're going to pray and uh, God is already on our miss uh, in our midst. But we're going to pray that uh, that he would that his word would accomplish what it uh, desires to this day. Jesus, we thank you, Lord. Oh, God, for your spirit. We thank you for your presence, Lord Jesus. Oh, hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. Oh, God, we ask that you would touch our hearts and our minds, oh, God, that you would let the word that's about to come forth uh, accomplish what you desire in, in each of us, Lord Jesus. God, let your will be done today, God. We are your people, Lord Jesus. We are surrendered to your will, God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, Jesus. We bless your name this day, Jesus. Glory to your name. Be in our midst, oh God. Help us, oh God. We worship you, Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Well, today I want to talk to you for a little while about the topic of loving well. And that might seem like an odd topic to you, an odd way to put that. But I hope that by the time I get done with this message and, and uh, we go through the scriptures, you'll understand what I mean by loving well. So we're going to go to Philippians 1 today, and uh, I'll give you a little bit of the backstory before we jump into our, our text. But, you know, Paul is writing to the church of Philippi, and uh, he's sharing with them how proud he is of them. And, and the, the church is on point, and they're doing what they're supposed to be doing. And, and Paul is just overjoyed about their progress uh, and that they're supporting their commitment to the, to the ministry. And, and uh, you know, he, in that, he's giving them all these accolades and, and praise in the beginning of this chapter. And he, in, in the midst of that, he says, every time you cross my mind, I break out in exclamations of thanks to God. So Paul is having a moment about Philippi. And, and obviously he must have had a hand in, in, uh, in their growth, um, in, the, in their progress. And there's nothing like when you see uh, how God is using you, uh, how that blesses others and how others are, are catching on to it and how they're flourishing because of it. And uh, so Paul is just, maybe he's having a proud papa moment, if you will. He's just overjoyed with the church of Philippi. And it gets down to uh, verse nine. And he says, so this is my prayer, that your love will flourish and that you will not only love much, but well. Now you see where my, my, title is coming from. Not only do you love that I, I want you to love much, but I want you to love well. And he goes on to say, learn to love appropriately. Now I'm reading from the message this morning. So if you're saying, where is this coming from? Well, you know, I absolutely do love the message version. Um, it does a great job of shedding light on uh, some of the uh, the scriptures that can, you know, kind of go over our heads sometimes, especially if you're a person who's used to the KJV. Uh, some of that wording can kind of, you know, again, just go over our heads and we don't really get it. And if you're not one to really dig into the scriptures to get that understanding, uh, sometimes you just don't get it. And so um, I do like the message for that reason, um, puts it right in our sort of normal vernacular. And so, yeah, learn to love much and learn to love appropriately. You need to use your head 
and test your feelings so that your love is sincere and intelligent, not sentimental gush. Live a lover's life, circumspect and exemplary, a life Jesus will be proud of, bountiful in fruits from the soul, making Jesus attractive to all, getting everyone involved in the glory and praise of God. Whew. In this passage, you know, Paul is overjoyed. And he again, he's he's praising the Philippians uh, for doing a, for doing a good job and, and they're being faithful. And Paul knows that when we are faithful to, to the word of God, we're faithful to the God that we serve. He knows that blessings follow. And it's out of this glad heart that he prays this beautiful prayer, a deep prayer for them. That was a deep prayer, if you really think about it, that they would not only love much, but they would love well. If you stop there, you might just think that that was that. Okay, love much, love well, great. But the addition of loving well, well, you might think, eh, that was just insignificant. But reading on, we find that Paul was going to something. He's making a very deliberate point that is critical to the body of Christ. Paul is saying that there's a right way to love. And that right way was his prayer for them. Right? You're doing a great job. I'm hoping that God will complete the work that's, that he started in you. And this loving thing is key. As, as saints of God, as Christians, we have to understand that that love, I mean, there's no more foundational um, uh, principle. There's no more, uh, that, that's just the bedrock of who we are. If, if, if Christians aren't loving, then I, I don't know. It's part of, it's part of our very definition, uh, if you will. And so he urges them to learn to love appropriately. Oh, I thought that was profound. No, how can learning and loving even be in the same sentence? And you say, oh, come on, Sister Bill, right? No, no, think about that. I mean, isn't love after all, you know, this thing that we can't control, right? Don't we just, you know, okay, we fall into it and we use that phrase all the time. Oh, I just fell in love with Johnny. Or I just, oh, I fell in love. And we, we, you know, we use those phrases all the time. And for goodness sake, I mean, you can't choose who you love, right? You certainly can't choose how to love, right? Uh, love does what it wants and we're just at its mercy. You know, I'm, I'm having a little fun with this, but overall, isn't that the way we think about love? You know, love is so unruly uh, that, that, you know, for goodness sake, people use love as a reason to kill, right? In fact, it's a, it's a legal defense. We call them crimes of passion, for goodness sake. And it, it, it love is it makes us rebellious and and when love gets its, gets its grip on us we lose all control you know we're just love's rag doll I'm talking about how we think about love how how love is just this 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 out of control thing that you know again we're at its mercy and we just have to go along with this you know this thing if you will and so but Paul says no 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 learn to love appropriately love is well, let me put it, let me back up. The love of God is far more than what we call love. I'll just back up to what all those things I just said before that statement, all the ways that we look at love. No, no, no. The love of God is far more than those things. And, and we're caught up in, you know, the Cupid and the and infatuation and all those warm and fuzzy things. Again, things that we call love. 
that we attribute to love somewhere along the line. But the love that God's people should express and that we should possess is deeper and far more profound than anything that we humans could ever experience on our own. You know, uh, the scripture goes on to say you need to use your head and test your feelings so that your love is sincere and intelligent. Who in the world would say love is sincere and intelligent? Right? Okay, sincere, we get that. We, we understand sincere love, uh, or, or at least that's a more uh, familiar concept, but intelligent? You know, not this sentimental gush. When we have right love, right, or that we love well, as Paul is wanting for the Philippians, uh, this love is sincere, which means it's, it's real, it's genuine. You know, not this counterfeit stuff we call, you know, that 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 is everything but love. Uh, it's intelligent. You know, when something is intelligent then it's knowledgeable. Right. It has good understanding and it, it's it has the ability to reason. Right. That's not uh, the, the normal way that we would describe love. It's, it's not rooted in emotions, but in the mind of God from which it came, because God is love. Right? We're talking about the love that God gives us. And, and you, you've never met one more sincere and more intelligent than God himself. Again, God is love. God's love is, is clear-eyed and it's deliberate. Like he loves us on purpose, right? I promise you, he didn't just ah, fall in love with his creation. Oh, no, 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 no. We were very deliberately made. We were, we were lovingly made. We were passionately made. No, God deliberately chose to love us, his people. And so the kind of love that God gives us, man, it, it's the kind of love that includes our enemies, you know, people that don't like us, right? people that we don't like. I know as Christians, we don't like to say that we don't like people, but you know, come on, get real, right? People we don't like, the kind of love that God gives us includes our enemies, he says, not because we're stupid. Right. You ever share with somebody who's who, who, who's not a believer, if you will, who who doesn't understand the concept of loving your enemies? You ever share with them uh, this idea of loving your enemies? And they look at you like you grew two heads, like you're an idiot. Right. No, 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 no. No, it's not because we're stupid, but it's quite the opposite. We are full of the knowledge of who our enemy is. And it is no man. No, it's the one who hates us and, and is day and night trying to take us out. Our only enemy is the devil. Right. We will not work for him, right? We will not behave like him. I'm talking about Christians here. I'm talking about the right kind of love, right? We're so full of the knowledge of God uh, and his love and desire for his people that that we know better. I'm talking about using our minds, right? We know better to hate people. They're God's creation, right? Uh, created in his own image. We know better than that, right? We're not going to let our heart. I know Disney tells us to go with our heart. Let me just tell you now, that's a bad idea, right? The heart is wicked. Desperately wicked, Jeremiah says, who can know it? But no, we're going to go with what we know. Right? We're going to know what the, uh, we're going to go with what the scriptures told us. We're going to go with what the Holy Spirit that fills our hearts uh, has, has put in us. Right. We are full of the spirit of God. Right. And that, that, that love that God has given us is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost that's given unto us. Right. That's how we can do crazy stuff like love our enemies. Right. That's how and why we can love our neighbors. Right. That's how and why we can love those of like precious faith. Right. That's how and why we can love all. Hallelujah. That's how you can love all. All is a very simple word. All is very inclusive. All doesn't even require a dictionary. 
All means all. That means there's nothing outside of that little word. There's nothing outside of that. There's no one outside of that. We can learn to love all because we have the spirit of God who lives in us. And that God is love. But we do need to learn how to love appropriately, right? Because we're in this human flesh as well. So when we learn to love appropriately, right? When we learn to study, that when you learn that some study involved, okay? You got to get in there and dig it out. When you, when you, when we study uh, what love really is, right? Let's go to 1 Corinthians 13. We're going to find out. When you're studying, you're going to find out things like this. Paul starts off in 1 uh, Corinthians 13, and he says, if I speak with human eloquence and angelic ecstasy, but don't love, I'm nothing but a but the creaking of a rusty gate. If I speak God's word with power, revealing all his mysteries and making everything plain as day. And if I have faith that says to the mountain, jump, and it jumps, but I but I don't love, I am nothing. If I give everything I own to the poor and even go to the state to be burned as a martyr, but I don't love, I've gotten nowhere. So no matter what I say, what I believe and what I do, I am bankrupt without love. Right. Then he goes on and he just runs this whole list of what love really is. Right. We're talking about learning to love appropriately, like learning to love well. Again, a Paul's prayer for the Philippian church. For us. And he says, love never gives up. I want you to think about your love. I want you to analyze this, your love. When I, when I read this, he says, love never gives up. Love cares more for others than for self. Hmm, that's not something you learn uh, in this world. Love doesn't want what it doesn't have. Love doesn't strut. Love doesn't uh, have a swelled head. Doesn't force itself on others. Isn't always me first. Doesn't fly off the handle. Doesn't keep score of the sins of others. Doesn't revel when others grovel. Doesn't take pleasure in, uh, I'm sorry, it takes pleasure in the flowering of truth. Puts up with anything. Trust God always. Always looks for the best. Never lose, um, I'm sorry, never looks back, but keeps going uh, to the end. Right? Oh my goodness. This is my prayer for us today, church. Right? All of you are listening, the local body, across the world, whoever's tuning in, this is our prayer for us. That same prayer that Paul has uh, for the Philippians, right? That that not only will we learn that we not only will we love much, but that we will love well. That we would operate in the fullness of God's love. That we would learn what true love looks like. That we would use our heads, as Paul says, and we would test our feelings. What are you going to test your feelings about? You're going to test your feelings by the word of God, right? That our love will be sincere and intelligent, that we would live a life of lovers. I'm going back to that scripture, right? Circumspect and exemplary. We must examine our motives, right? And our demonstrations of love. We're going to learn to love right and appropriately. you got to do some self-examination, right? What are your motives, right? What, what, What is your demonstrations of love look like? Right. Appropriate love is not thoughtless and inconsiderate. Again, that that list, that thing that we just, you know, we just, we just can't control, you know, just and, and, you know, we, we just we just go with it. Right. But no, if you're using our minds, right, this great mind that our great God gave us, if we are implementing what we learn from the scriptures. Right. Then, then our love is not thoughtless. It's not inconsiderate. You know, it's not some bull in a china shop just wrecking everything just, cause, you know, in, in the name of love, if you will. No. It doesn't scream and holler devotion to Christ 
while insisting on its own rights and showing an utter disregard for others. That is not love. That is not love, right? When we learn to love appropriately, we are careful with people. We think about our speech and our actions and their alignment to the spirit that dwells in us. Right? Do our speech and our actions, right? A couple of weeks ago, I preached about, you know, our hearts to be in line with God, right? Do our speech and our actions align with the spirit of God that, is, that dwells in us? Do they make sense? Is it consistent, right? Are we living a lover's life, exemplary and circumspect? I actually switched those words around, right? Is our love unquestionable? Does somebody have to look at what we do or, 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 or analyze and go, man, is that love? Is it circumspect? Is it exemplary? Is the life of love we live a life that Jesus would be proud of? I think that was back in the 80s, maybe the 90s, when that, that little saying was, you know, what would Jesus do? You know, it was that little tagline that would give you when you got in certain situations, you know, if you would analyze, you know, if what you were doing was appropriate, you know, you would, you would say, you know, WWJD, like, what would Jesus do? You know, if, if Jesus, and he is, all right, I'm talking about, you know, sometimes we have a disconnect because, you know, we can't see God. Sometimes we don't really get that he sees all of our actions, those in private, you know, those in public, those on social media. I have no idea why we get a disconnect about social media and how we operate versus, you know, how we operate in person. But are we living a life that Jesus would be proud of? Jesus read your Facebook page. Right? Would he be proud of you if he saw how you communicate? If he saw the things you talk about, um, if, if he actually if he was in your home? And nobody else was around but you and your people. You know what I mean by you and your people? We all got people, right? Those that are like us, those that are, you know, like-minded. If they heard, if he heard the conversations that you were having, right, would he be proud of you? Talk about learning to love appropriately, that right love, learning to love well. Does it make Jesus attractive to all? I don't even want to go there talking about social media. Talking about the church here, I'm talking about the about the, about the Christians, right? That that there's there's the way we exemplify love, is the way that we demonstrate love. Does it make Jesus attractive or does it make people go running for the hills? Mm. Does it stir others to get involved into uh with the glory and praise of God? Talking about learning to love appropriately and well, using our minds that God gave us using the scriptures that God gave us, uh, uh, allowing the Holy Spirit that God empowered, that, that Holy Spirit which, which should shed forth love, true love, God's love, not that human kind that does all kind of crazy things, but that, that love of God that's very purposeful and inclusive and kind and, and, and all those things. That's my prayer for all of you today, for all of us today, that we would not only love much, that we would love well. We are witnesses for Christ in this world. We are witnesses in our homes, to our children, to our husbands, to our wives. Love is a powerful, powerful thing. There's nothing greater, nothing more powerful than the love of God. We must learn to love appropriately. We must learn to love well. Jesus, we thank you, Lord. God, I thank you for your word today, Lord. I thank you, Lord, for reminding us that this foundational principle, God of love, that I worship you this day, Lord Jesus. Hallelujah. It's my prayer for the body. The same prayer that Paul prayed for the Philippian church, Lord Jesus, that we would learn to love well, 
love appropriately, oh God, that we would exemplify a love that you would be proud of, Lord Jesus, a love that's powerful. Hallelujah, Jesus. God bless us this day, Lord. Help us, oh God, to put uh, that love into action, oh God. You gave us your spirit. You want that love to flourish, Lord Jesus. You want that love to spill out from us into our communities, into our neighbors, Lord Jesus, that this world may know what true love is, that this world may experience you, Lord Jesus. Hallelujah. God, we thank you, Lord. We thank you for this day, Lord Jesus. Help us, oh God, to internalize your word, Lord Jesus. Help us, oh God, to not only love much, but to love well. God bless you all. We look forward to seeing you next week. Jesus name.